Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. Our aim is to be a church committed to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, and this podcast is a resource for our members who are seeking to live in light of the gospel among their neighbors and the nations. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. My name is David Sons. I serve as the lead pastor here at Lake Murray. Thanks for listening. Uh, this episode of the podcast is kind of a look back at our sermon from this past Sunday, where I really just want to add a few additional thoughts that we didn't get time to cover in the sermon. We've been walking through the book of First Timothy. We just started that two weeks ago. And if you haven't listened to either this week's sermon or last week's sermon, I would recommend to you that you go back and listen to both of those sermons, as most of this episode is going to be kind of building on what we talked about the last two Sundays. And so just to kind of recap where we are and then talk about a couple of important things that came out of uh, this past week, uh, we began First Timothy. First Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to his apostolic ambassador, Timothy, who has been left to kind of pastor the church at Ephesus. Paul is writing back to encourage Timothy, exhorting him. Uh, face, he's facing significant challenges in the church at Ephesus. And so Paul begins his letter by charging Timothy to preach the gospel and to refute some of the false teachers that have crept into the church at Ephesus. And so we talked about a little bit yesterday how the gospel is central to everything that we do as believers in Christ. There were a number of pressing issues in Ephesus, but Paul really wants to drill down on making sure that Timothy keeps the gospel central because if we lose the gospel, we lose everything. And so Paul really wants to drive home exactly what the gospel is and what the gospel does in the life of the church. And so the central truth kind of that came out of yesterday was that the gospel gives foundation to our beliefs, direction to our love, and meaning to our obedience. And so we saw that first the gospel gives direction or sorry, the gospel gives foundation to our beliefs. Paul says that there were some in Ephesus who were teaching false gospels, and they were devoting themselves then to things that were untrue, and it was causing some of the Christians in Ephesus to wander away. And so we talked a little bit about false teachers and false teaching. We talked about the idea that false teachers often have good intentions. Uh, most of the time, the people who are teaching things that are false truly believe the things that they're saying. We talked about how false teaching is rooted in pride. It comes from a place of uh, uh, thinking that we know better than the word of God and that false teaching can either add to or subtract from God's word. Sometimes we think about false teaching just kind of subtracting from the word of God, but there were false teachers who were also adding to God's word uh, by trying to teach that it was believing in Jesus, but also obeying the law which allowed people to be saved. And so one of the things that I didn't really have a chance yesterday to kind of dive into was how the church can be on guard against false teaching. And so I want to read a passage from Ephesians chapter four. Uh, this is another place where the apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And I think he gives us some uh, interesting instruction here on how the church can guard itself against false teaching. So in Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, Paul writes, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, in to Christ. And so Paul here kind of talks about false teaching being uh, um, waves that would draw us away from the truth of the gospel. And what the gospel does is it gives foundation. And so we're not carried away by the waves. We have a firm foundation underneath our feet. And so how do we root out false teaching? What safeguards has God provided Uh, for his people to know what is true and what is false. And so I want to offer just kind of three safeguards against false teaching. And the first is pretty easy. It's God's word. God has given us his word. We don't have to speculate. We don't have to wonder. God has been very clear about who he is, who we are, and what he has done to redeem us in his word. And so anytime that we are confronted with anyone teaching any doctrine at all, We need to ask the question, does this teaching align with God's word? Now, oftentimes false teachers will utilize, they'll use God's word, but they'll misuse God's word. And so it's not just enough to say, does this teaching come from the Bible? We have to really understand the context wherein this verse or, or this passage is coming from. And so that means that we have to not only know that this is in the Bible, but the context that it was written in. Who was it written to? What was it written for? How has it been used throughout church history? How does it go to help us understand the grand narrative of redemption? God has given us his word as a safeguard against false teaching. But more than that, God's given us his spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit who lives in us by faith in Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God illuminates the Word of God that we might see and understand what is true. Now, the role of the Holy Spirit is to exalt Jesus. And so one of the questions that we want to ask anytime we hear someone preaching or teaching, we have to ask the question, does this teaching have Jesus at the center? Is it exalting Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation? Is it exalting Jesus as the Son of God? Is it exalting Jesus as the one uh, through whom, for whom, and by whom all things were created? But more than that, we can kind of begin to ask, does this teaching promote unity within the body? Or does it promote unnecessary division? Now, certainly there are going to be teachings in the Bible that oftentimes will offend or will cause uh, division. However, we have to look to see, is it necessary division? Is this teaching promoting unity in the body? God has given us his word and he's given us his spirit. And finally, God has given us his church. What has the Spirit and the Word revealed to others throughout church history? What has the Word and the Spirit revealed to others today? You see, theology is best done in community. It's best done among other faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who are filled with the Spirit, who are seeking God's goodness and God's glory in His Word together. And so God has given us these safeguards against false teaching that we can go to his word. We're illuminated by his spirit and and we have his church. And so as we kind of begin to study God's word, as we pray that the spirit would help us to see what is true, and as we study this word with other believers, we kind of begin to put some of these checks in place that would keep us from falling into false teaching. Now, there's one other thing that I want to try to press in on 
with the idea of false teaching and false teachers. You see, not all teaching that we disagree with is false teaching. You see, because within the Bible, there are certain levels of doctrine, right? There are things that we would say are primary doctrines. These are essential beliefs about Christianity. So, for example, we believe that the Trinity, that God exists eternally as three in one. That is an essential doctrine of Christianity, the humanity and the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus was both God and man. He was fully God and fully man. We believe this is an essential belief of Christianity, and that to disagree over the essentials of Christianity is to disagree about what it means to be a Christian in the first place. But then there are what we would call kind of second-tier doctrines. These are doctrines that Christians can disagree over, but because of these doctrines, it will lead to division amongst those believers. So, uh, for example, um, baptism, method and mode of baptism is one. This is most of the time we see denominations kind of breaking off over second-tier issues. So where I would probably agree that uh, a Presbyterian friend of mine is a faithful follower of Jesus, who I will see uh, on the other side of eternity, he and I would disagree on how baptism is best performed, how the method of baptism plays out within the scriptures. And this would lead us to not really being able I think to to worship together in a in a in a in a weekly gathering within the church because this is a significant disagreement that he and I have. It has no bearing on his salvation. However, it is a significant enough disagreement that we are going to worship separately from one another on the Lord's day. And then third, there are what we call kind of tertiary doctrines or, or third tier doctrines. These are doctrines that Christians can really disagree about, but can remain in close fellowship. And these type of doctrines are things like eschatology. What do we believe about the end times? What do we believe about style of worship? All of these kind of things that we can say, hey, listen, this has no bearing on our salvation. This is not something that we can't uh, overcome and remain in close proximity and unity in the gathering together. These are issues that are really more preferential than anything else. And so we have to be careful when we disagree with someone that we understand that when Paul is talking about the false teachings here, he's talking about first-tier issues. He's talking about primary issues within the Christian faith, things that make us essentially believers or followers of Christ. And so we have to be careful in this uh, culture that we we, uh, live in that we not think that every person we disagree with about every issue is a false teacher. We've got to be on guard, yes, against false teachings and false teachers, especially those who are teaching things that are against kind of the essential doctrines of Christianity. But we also have to be careful that we don't slander faithful brothers and sisters as false teachers because they would disagree with us on secondary or uh, third-tier issues. And so false teaching and false teachers, it's not something that was limited to the church in Ephesus. It is something that is still very relevant to the church today. And so it requires us to have a familiarity with God's word. It it requires the spirit of God to illuminate the truth for us. And theology is best done in community among other believers. Paul goes on here in verse 17 to say, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up every way in to him. And this leads to this second piece where Paul in verse five uh, this week says that the aim of our charge is love. And he says something very similar here in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 5, that we ought to speak the truth in love. 
Now, Paul is certainly calling on Timothy here to contend for the truth. And we, as believers today, must continue to contend for the truth in our culture, in the public square, in our community. But as Christians, we've been called not only to be truth tellers, but more than that, we've been called to speak the truth in love. And when Paul talks about speaking the truth in love, this has to do with our motivations and our methods. It's the why and the how of truth-telling. So as we stand to contend for the truth of God's word, of the salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, we must not only ask the question, what is true, but we have to ask the question, why do I feel compelled to share this? And how can I share this message in a way that glorifies God and extends grace to the hearer? And so ultimately what theology is meant to do, what good theology does is it creates in us a deeper love for Christ and a deeper love for people. We talked about this yesterday, that if our doctrine, that if love is not at the core of our doctrine, then our doctrine is deficient no matter how true it may be. And so the church must guard against false teaching, yes. And we must let everything that we do be done in love. Finally, the church must walk in obedience to the word. You see, the witness of the church in our age has been significantly damaged by Christians who are not walking according to the word. And so it is imperative for us as believers to continue to not only know God's word, but to begin to apply it to our daily lives. Jesus says in John chapter 13, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This takes us back to what we studied in the fall, where we saw in the letter of 1 John that ultimately we display our love for God through our display for others. And the way that we display our love for others is through good works, obedience to the commands of Christ, that we would love and serve others as fellow image bearers, that we would seek to glorify God in the way that we serve one another. Now, we want to talk about this just as we close here, that it's important for us to understand what works do in our salvation. Works don't add anything to our salvation. We talked about this on Sunday. Works are evidence of our salvation. Now, I like to think about it this way. If you were to go to a, um, a college football game, so we'll just say, we'll, we'll take uh, Columbia, for example. If you were to go to a South Carolina Gamecocks football game and you were to look around the stands, you were to sit in the stands and you were to look around the stands and you would see people in the stands wearing South Carolina jerseys. Now, if you didn't know anything about South Carolina, if you didn't know anything about football, you would look around the stands and you would say, what are those players doing in the stands? And of course, somebody would say, well, just because you have a jersey doesn't mean you're on the team. But if you look down on the field, every member of the team has a jersey. And this is the same way that we can think about works. Just because you do some good things doesn't mean that you're a believer in Christ. But if you are a believer in Christ, you had better be certain that you're going to be doing good things. And those good works are evidence of the Spirit of God alive and at work in you. And the spirit that compels us to obey Christ in all things is the same spirit that illuminates the truth of God's word. And it's the same spirit of God, which brings glory and honor to Jesus. The father reveals, the son saves, the spirit empowers. And as we seek to protect the truth and walk in love and obedience, we are confident in the promise of the triune God. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. 
And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Murray Baptist Church, and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Murray Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Murray Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. For more information about Lake Murray Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others' good.